Scene 2. Fudging the Truth. Shentlepiece City on Tuscarora Mountain. Tuesday, Sext. Noontide, 4th of July, 1284, 3rd of St. Swithin. Worse than having the sky fall on his head, and Ganyon realizes it is time to fess up when Florence puts an arm around his shoulders. With both tender sympathy and outraged menace, she asks him, What did your father mean when he said that thing about running from the truth? Is there something you're not telling me? With the skill of a master chef, Ganyan cooks up some zesty excuses fast. First, we need to rescue Zena. Look, she's dangling below the ledge, barely hanging on for dear life. Next, we need to get everyone out of here before they all get frozen solid by the black wildfires you set. Then, we need to stop the High Inquisitor from taking over Thor's base. When all that's done, we'll have a heart-to-heart. The rangers and Major League Elves are already hauling Xena up. Barely escaping the black flames at her back, Xena rushes to Enganyan and comments, That was like a crazy trust exercise, Florence asks. But how did she not fall? When our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief ordered my dad to kill Reverend Appleseed, Officer Bunsey came up with a plan to use these emergency escape lines to make it look like we tried to get rid of him, but that he miraculously survived. I'm at my best when faking it, so I volunteered for the job. Ganyan polishes his fingernails on his chest with a smug wink. Zena asks him, Speaking of faking it, were you faking that you were in love with me, or are you faking that you were in love with Mademoiselle Florence? That's umpire-in-chief-elect Florence to you. Zena ignores her and focuses on Ganyan's eyes as if to read the truth from the subconscious signals of his body language. Florence gets curious too and asks, yeah, how about it, Captain Nganyan? Are you faking being in love with me? Nganyan gets back up on his feet. Now, now, ladies, if you just give me enough time, I can make you both see the big picture. The problem is, we don't have time right now. We've got to get everyone off Vancey Estates before the Black Flame freezes us all. Florence says, We're stuck. When we allowed the rangers up here, I had all the suspension bridges on Vancey Estates destroyed as a safety precaution. The annoying Officer Bunsey walks up as if he were the savior of the day and proudly announces, The Justiciar League has a series of emergency chutes and ladders spread throughout Chentlepie City. I was the one in charge of installing them on Van Estates. With the Crusader fires burning down there, we can't use the chutes. But just crank that lever over there and it will bring up an escape ladder to Thor's base. Dungary Jean is already coughing as the frozen air scalds her lungs. She asks Johnny Appleseed in English, we're cut off from that escape ladder. With your vast knowledge of black flame, can you tell us if there is any way to keep those black flames at bay so we can make it over there before being engulfed? Reverend Appleseed wraps a blanket around her shoulders to warm her and says, The answer is all around you. Ever notice how Kibler chocolates always seem to melt in your hand but not in your mouth? Refined cocoa beans are highly susceptible to heat but almost totally resistant to the cold. If we just scatter refined cocoa powder, it will create a safe zone where the black fires can't touch us. Brightening with hope, Dungaree Jean exclaims, I know exactly where the cocoa powder is stored. Johnny Appleseed cautions her. We'd need to spread around quite a bit. Few handfuls won't do much against flames this high. Whoopi interjects. As a magic culter myself, we could work as a team. All we have to do is run a spell to disperse water on fire and tweak it just enough so that it will disperse cocoa on black flame. 
Johnny Appleseed strokes his white beard for a moment as the great philosophical paradox comes to mind. Magic would work the charm, but we face Mano's problem. We don't know what the magic word for spreading cocoa powder is, so we wouldn't recognize it even if we guessed it correctly. Normally, trial and error can solve the paradox, but the imminent danger around us doesn't afford us the luxury of guessing wrong even once. If we locomutate the cocoa powder incorrectly, everyone either freezes to death from the black flame closing in on us, or burns to death from the bonfires raging below us. Xena steps forward and says in English, I know it! I know what his magic word for spreading cocoa powder everywhere! The first to doubt is, of course, her mother. How's that possible? You haven't even begun your studies as a magic alter. A subtle trembling sound soon turns into a mighty rumble as the wooden flooring shakes beneath their feet. The bonfires down below have weakened major sycamore branches and consumed vital support beams. With the alternations of freezing cold black fires up top and burning hot yellow fires beneath, the very foundations of Van C. Estates crack and shudder. Large chunks of floorboarding splinter upwards while faraway buildings collapse. The forces of nature rending wood and toppling sycamores reverberate with deafening fright, like the pulsed shrieks of a blue whale whose calf is beset by orcas. What little space is left to the survivors from the dark wildfires around them just got cut down by one-third from the crumbling planks and floorboards. Rangers and Major League Elves scramble and roll away from sharp slivers and widening gaps, desperate for a stable place to fix their feet. Frightened by the upheavals, Xena lets nonsense syllables dribble out of her mouth. No oh, fudge! Keep in mind, dear reader, that as of the year 1284, fudge had not yet been invented, and the word itself at that time had no meaning. Whoopi looks at Johnny Appleseed, shrugs, and says, Oh, fudge? Xena's magic words sound good enough to me. On my mark, we will cast her spell in harmony for maximum effect. Dungaree Jean points to a warehouse, now separated from them by a gaping chasm. All the cocoa bean powder is in there, but we can't get to it. Whoopi says, if the magic word is good enough, we'll be able to grab the cocoa powder from back here and locomutate it in puffs so it spreads evenly along the path to those emergency ladders. Johnny Appleseed pulls out the magical wand that he stores in the handle of the tin pot on his head and nods to Whoopi. Let's do this. They count to three and together shout out in a commanding but melodious tone. Oh, fudge! Poof. Suddenly, it is snowing cocoa powder, and all the rangers and Major League elves let out thrilled cheers as the dark wildfires back off, leaving them sneezing but safe all along the corridor to the escape ladders, with a delicious chocolatey aftertaste in their mouths. From there, it's not long before Nganyan and Officer Bunzi hoist the emergency escape ladders and start guiding the survivors up toward Thor's base as the rest of the flooring planks and wooden structures collapse behind them on Vancey Estates. Countermeasures Being a noble leader, Dungaree Jean makes sure everyone is on their way toward safety before allowing herself to escape. Once she is standing on Thor's base, 
She shouts out orders, looping her words in Eldric and in English. Listen up! We've got work to do, people! First off, Officer Bunsey, take the Justiciar Leaguers, along with Sir John Stark's Rangers, to post guards at all the chutes and ladders on Thor's base that you know of. Make sure no one can sneak up on us, and assess which ones offer us the best escape routes. Next, Mademoiselle Umpire and Chief-Elect, I am going to request that you and your Ivy Leaguers take Sir Robert Rogers' Rangers to the Aqueduct. See if you can jury-rig a way to take all non-combatants to the Mountain Dwarves' vaults at the peak. Reverend Appleseed, may I ask you to help Lady Philippa's party of adventurers find a way to counter the threat of Black Flame up here? We narrowly escaped Vancy Estates with the cocoa powder. We don't want to find ourselves in double jeopardy. Finally, I will work with the League of Licorns and Sir Benedict Arnold's Rangers to build barricades to fence off any points of access the Crusaders might use to assault Shentlepiece City. We'll also figure out the best tactical locations to set up elf fire siphons in case it comes down to street-to-street -street fighting. We are safe for the moment, but in a siege like this, the enemy will probably try to find a traitor to open a way. Ganyan tugs on her sleeve as sheepishly and as insistently as a little kid asking for apple juice in the middle of a crowded bus. He stutters, then says, Um, we're not all that safe up here at the moment. The comment makes no sense to Dungaree Jean, so she asks tentatively, What do you mean, Captain Ganyan? As far as I can tell, the Crusaders' bonfires have had no effect on the Sequoias, and there's no sign of black flame in any... Um, he interrupts, I'm not worried about fire. Fearing where that's going, Xena flips the Arkenstone that came out of Vampire Kibler's heart up in the air and catches it in her palm, saying, Mother, I believe I owe you one of these. That's the last of the invincible undead we'll ever have to face. Xena glares at her ex-fiancé and says, Right, Captain Nganyan? Well, actually, now that you mention it, it just so happens that the last High Inquisitor is coming up a secret passageway with an invincible undead army to destroy Thor's base. Florence doesn't give Nganyan a chance to speak further. That's impossible! My father was the only one who knew about the secret passageway, and he would never betray that secret, alive or undead. Nganyan starts to fidget. Well, you see... Where there's a will, there's a way. I found out about it, so when your dad was still alive, or still undead, I was kind of angry with you and him for killing my father, so I sort of... Yes? I sort of cut a deal with the Inquisition. 